Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't God awesome? God is awesome. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. So this morning, I have a message for you, and it's the message on holiness. How many of you love holiness? The message on holiness. So a question. Is, it, is holiness a burden, a condemnation, an impossibility, or a reality? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever found that, oh, don't ask me to be holy. It's so hard. It's so difficult. Or have you ever done something wrong? Or have you ever thought a bad thought? And then you feel, oh, I'm so condemned. Have you ever, as a Christian, think it's impossible? How can I be holy? You know, God understands that I'm made of dust. I'm a mortal. So all those questions have been and can be bombarding you, but then you can stop them by understanding and knowing the truth. That reality, that holiness is a reality that has been given to us. Holiness is a reality that's been given to you as a gift. It is not something that you earn. It's not something that you struggle to get. It is a gift. All right, let's get into this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Well, Jesus said you will know the truth. And that's what we are doing. Every Sunday, we're getting into the truth. We're getting into the Word of God. We're getting into the reality of who we are in Christ Jesus once you have been born again. How many of us are born again? Lift up your hands. Amen. Glory be to God. So look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. I want you to look at the second part of that verse. Pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. So the admonition is for us to pursue that consecration. To be consecrated means I belong to. I belong to God. I belong to that place of holiness. I belong to that kingdom of holiness. Even though the enemy tries to take me away from that, I will not allow him. So pursue that consecration and holiness without which no one will ever see the Lord. So that means it's a vital, it's an essential ingredient for us to see the Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Another translation says, blessed are the perfect in heart. Another translation says, blessed are the holy in heart, for they shall see God. So the condition of your heart determines your vision. The condition of your heart determines your vision. If your heart is always seeing evil, your vision will be full of evil. If your heart is always seeing yourself as not good enough, then everything that you see will be not good enough for you or too scary, too intimidating, too threatening for you. Why? Because you live from the inside out. The kingdom of God is within you. And it's with that kingdom that you overcome and you conquer everything that is on the outside of you. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 20 to 21. So is holiness a burden, a condemnation, an impossibility, or is it a reality? Now let's look at Matthew 26, verse 20 to 21. I want you to lay hold of the word for yourself, not for anybody else. We need to lay hold of the word for ourselves. Now when the evening was come, Jesus sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Now this is recorded in all the four Gospels. So it's not only recorded in Matthew, but it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now can you imagine the reactions of the disciples? 
The disciples, they were the followers of Jesus. Not only were they the followers of Jesus, they were in the ministry of Jesus and they were the leaders for the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus told them that one of them was going to betray him. Can you imagine what you would feel then? Can you imagine what your reaction would be? And yet, it's so strange that none of them, none of them was offended. None of them was upset. None of them said to Jesus, what do you mean? We had been serving you for so long. Why would you say that we would betray you? What are you thinking? No, none of them did that. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 22, because I want you to see the record, amen, of that in your Bible, in the Word of God. Matthew 26, verse 22, and they were exceeding, what's the word? Sorrowful. Not upset, not mad. Not offended. They were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Is it I? Is it me that I would betray you? Is it that? Well, you would say to me, maybe that's just in Matthew. Well, let's look at Mark. Mark chapter 14, verse 19. Mark 14, 19. And they, Mark 14, 19. And they began to be sorrowful. And to say unto him one by one, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? Now, let's look at Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, verse 23 to 24. You can just listen. Luke 22, verse 23 to 24. They began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. Now, the key is... If you continue to read verse 24, and there was a strife among them, not saying who is going to betray Jesus. What's the strife about? What's the strife about? Which of them should be counted the greatest? <laughs> this is so funny. It's like on one hand, Jesus is saying, one of you is going to betray me. And then they said, oh, is it me? Is it me? And then it turned out to be that they were, you know, discussing among themselves who is going to be the greatest. <laughs> this is, what is the Holy Spirit doing? Remember, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. So what is the Holy Spirit doing in all the Gospels? The Holy Spirit is showing the humanity of the disciples. The human side. Honestly, giving us the human side of the disciples. The Holy Spirit is showing us what humanity truly is. And then look at John chapter 6, verse 65. Jesus knew all this. If you read John chapter 2, Jesus said when he started his ministry, he said that he would not commit himself to any man because he knew what's in men. Now look at John chapter 6 verse 65. Jesus said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. Jesus is, so, is saying, knowing your humanity is the key. Don't think that you can make it. Don't think that you have gained it. No, it's a gift unto you. Our salvation is a gift from God. Our holiness and our consecration is a gift from God. Our desire to read the word, our desire to come to church, our desire to listen to sermons is a gift from God. It's the blessing of the Lord. So you ask me, Pastor Dora, does it mean that uh, it's predestination? So does it mean that if God has predestined me to be holy, then I'm fine? If God has predestined me to love the Bible, then I'm good. But if God has predestined me, you know, not to, you know, not to be so fanatical or not to love the Word so much, but just barely get by, that's fine too. All right, let me answer you with the Word of God. Luke chapter 22, verse 22. Luke 22, 22. That's so powerful. 2, 2, 2, 2. Luke 22, 22. Truly, 
The Son of Man goes as it was to be de determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. So Jesus is saying, yes, it had been ordained. It had been predestined for me to be betrayed. And yet, woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. That means, yes, there is a plan. There is a predestined plan. But still, it does not, it does not excuse us from our responsibility and accountability. Still, it does not cancel out the consequences of our choices and decisions. There is a Godward side, there is a manward side. There is the plan of God and there is the cooperation of men with God or against God. God is omniscient, meaning he's all-knowing. He knows our humanity. He knows that we are made of dust. Yet, he has given us the gift, the gift of salvation, the gift of conviction, the gift of repentance, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of the Holy Spirit. He has given us the gift to empower us. Why? Because we are still accountable to God for our choices. We reap the consequences of our choices and our decisions. This is so, so important. Amen. Look at Luke chapter 13, verse 3. Luke 13, verse 3. Every one of us is accountable to God. Every one of us, every one of us. Luke chapter 13, verse 3. Jesus said, I tell you, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Now, I love the prosperity teaching. I love the grace teaching. But it's very important that we are full gospel. It's very important that you are balanced. I love the teaching that says, you know, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I'm the child of God. I am a, I'm the son of God. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. All that will not work for you if you are not repentant. This is the word of Jesus. He said, Woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. He said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Salvation comes from repentance. There is no salvation without repentance. Salvation does not come from confession. Salvation comes from repentance. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit, not of condemnation. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of repentance. And God has not saved us so that we don't repent and keep sinning. Grace means the power to live in holiness and consecration. I want you to see this scripture very clearly in the Amplified Bible. Luke 13 verse 3. Luke 13 verse 3. Luke 13, verse 3. This is Jesus speaking. He said, I tell you, but unless you repent, change your mind for the better, and heartily amend your ways with abhorrence of your past sins, you will all likewise perish and be lost eternally. This is a very serious revelation. I don't believe that Christians, once saved, can keep smoking. I don't believe that Christians, once saved, can keep getting drunk. I don't believe Christians, once saved, can keep doing drugs. I don't believe that Christians, once saved, can keep committing fornication. 
I don't believe that Christians, once saved, can continue to live and harbor unforgiveness and offense. This is holiness. Holiness is a heavenly disposition or nature. And no one can go to heaven without holiness. No one can make it to the rapture without holiness. There are no sinners in heaven. There are no sinners in heaven. I believe that it's time for the church to take this message seriously. The human way is that we blame everybody for our behavior, for our negative feelings, and for our reaction. But the Bible never said that. The Bible never said that you can blame others for your sin, for your negative emotions, and for your negative behavior. The Bible tells us that holiness is greater, stronger, and more powerful than sin and evil. The power of our victory is the power of righteousness over evil. The power of our victory is the power of holiness over filth. Moses was provoked, remember? What happened to him? He couldn't enter into the promised land. Why? Because it's a spiritual principle that God is not going to change for anybody. It is wrong for us to think that's what religion would tell you. It is wrong for us to think that God is up there sitting in heaven and making preferential judgments. If I like you, then you'll be fine. If I don't like you, you'll be lost. If I like you, it's okay. I will forgive you. If I don't, then you'll be doomed. No, God is not like that. And it's time for the church to wake up to the fact that Jesus is not Santa Claus. It's not whatever you think is right. It's whatever is written. It is written. Amen? God is more than just your heavenly Father. God is the creator of the whole heavens and the earth. He's the creator of the whole universe. He's the creator of mankind. He's the judge. He sits on the throne judging right. He cannot change the laws, the natural laws. And that's what we got. Because when people got into perversion, when people committed Murder, shedding innocent blood, when people endorsed what? Endorse abnormality, endorse what perversity is whatever I feel is right, whatever I think is right. The whole laws of nature became perverted, and we have weather that's perverted. We have weather that's radical, that's crazy. When God's word says everything is moderate, balanced. Don't forget that nature is affected by men because God had placed us to be the ruler of the natural realm. So our sin affects the nature, the natural environment that we live in. We also have to remember that God is the judge. He keeps justice. Amen? Of course, He is love. At the same time, you have to understand that in the Bible, when you read the Bible, you notice that there are, there are scriptures in the Bible that you can hear the voice of the judge. You can hear the voice of the judge sitting on the throne, judging right. And then there are scriptures in the Bible that you can hear the voice of the heavenly Father, full of mercy, full of grace, full of forgiveness. If you look at Romans chapter 12, verse 19 to 21, Romans chapter 12, verse 19 to 21. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. So the Holy Spirit is saying, don't be vindictive. Don't try to avenge yourself. Don't be angry. Don't allow anger to stay long. Do not let the sun go down to your, on your anger. 
It shouldn't take you 30 days to forgive somebody. It shouldn't take you 20 days to stop being offended. Be quick to forgive. Quick to get rid of the demons of offense. Can we say amen? Amen. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay. This is God's promise. Saith the Lord, he is the boss. Vengeance is mine, I will repay. He is the God who gives justice. Christians, we must never forget justice. God is the one who keeps justice. And yet he said for you, don't get angry. Don't be vindictive. Don't get into hate. Don't get into anger because you open yourself for the devil to attack you. He said to protect you. If your enemy hungry, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, what are you doing? You shall heap coals of fire on his head. The conviction. The conviction. That's why the Bible says pray for those who persecute you. For they are in a bad place. Amen. We need to understand this. Amen. And the word of God continues to say, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. So whatever you overcome becomes what? A subject of yours. You overcome anger. Anger cannot come to you anymore. You overcome offense. Offense cannot overcome you anymore. You overcome drugs, drugs cannot control you anymore. You overcome fornication, fornication cannot control you anymore. You overcome alcohol, alcohol cannot rule you anymore. You overcome cigarettes, cigarettes cannot rule you anymore. The world says that you are passive. You need a doctor. You need somebody to counsel you. You need this, you need this. But the word of God says, greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. The devil tries to force you and put pressure on you to forget who is on the inside of you. Who is on the inside of you? Come on, tell me, church. Once you're born again, who is on the inside of you? The Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is within you. So it's time to activate that kingdom. Can we say amen? Amen. Say with me, I'm not a victim. I'm not passive. Say to the person next to you, rise up and be counted. And can I ask you, church, do we have many enemies? Do we have many enemies? We only have one enemy, and what is his name? Satan, Lucifer, and his team. Am I your enemy? Are you my enemy? It's your wife, your enemy. It's your husband, your enemy. Are your children your enemy? Are your friends your enemy? No. So it's an easy battle. Because you only fight one enemy. Can we say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 16 to 19. We must understand that God is multifaceted. So you must not try to understand God from your own experience. You must understand God and know who is, who he is by the word of God. He will repay. He said, vengeance is his. Don't worry about that. That will happen. But you do have to guard your heart. You do have to guard your mind that you don't become hateful. Like what's happening in Ukraine. We can't hate Putin. We can't. Simply cannot. You pray for him. You stand in the gap. Can we say amen? Amen. So if you look at John chapter 3, verse 16 to 19, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, the God kind of life. Amen. That's Zoe. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. So it's not God condemning people. 
Condemnation comes to those who would not accept the grace, who would not accept the salvation, who continues to harbor natural human feelings and thoughts until they become devilish. We have to understand that there is power in yielding. Whatever you yield to, whoever you yield to, you will become. You continue to yield to God. You continue to yield to his love. You continue to yield to his commandments. You become more and more like him. You become more and more holy. But if you yield to negative emotions, anger, hate, fear, self-doubt, unbelief, then you become more and more like the world. And you continue to become more and more like the world. You continue to become more and more like the world. You become more and more like the spirit of triple six. Then you become more and more like the devil until no rescue is possible. That's power in yielding. Amen? So what is holiness? Is it all God or is it all men? No. Holiness is people, believers, Christians, the sons and the daughters of God, walking and synchronizing with God from the place of humbleness, meekness, and total dependence. I know that I need to depend on God all the time. I know this person called Dora, and I know the difference between me walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. And I need to walk in the spirit so that I do not yield to the flesh. There are those who are polite. There are those who are humble or meek. There's a big difference. There's a big difference between those who are polite and those who are humble. If you look at the case of Peter, Peter is a very, very unique case. Jesus chose him to be the apostle. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church for a reason. If you look at Peter, he's similar to David in the Old Testament. If you look at Peter, he's very, very unique. Twice he displayed his failure. Twice he failed before everybody. And yet in his failure, he displayed his honest recognition of his weakness. He displayed his honest recognition of his weakness. Look at Luke chapter 5 verse 8. Remember, Peter was a professional fisherman, and he had been, you know, fishing all day, and he had made a lot of money from fishing. It's just like, you know, the professionals in our days, like you may be like a, an engineer, you may be an architect, you may be a doctor, you know, you're so well versed in your trade, you're very knowledgeable, you have attained, you know, success already. That's like Peter. And who is this preacher? You know, who is this preacher? He'd never been to school. He'd never even worked. He's not even a handyman. He knew how to do, you know, carpentry, and that's all. What, what, what would he know about fishing? And when the miracle happened, when Jesus showed him whom Jesus really was, Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, What did he say? He did not say, wow, you're so great. Can I follow you? No. He did not say, wow, you're so great. Can you teach me how to do miracles? No. He said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Oh, Lord. The recognition of his human frailty. The recognition of his total poverty. Total poverty, the recognition of his presumptuous pride. He was totally broken, totally broken. And look at this in Mark chapter 14, verse 29 to 31. You know what is our greatest enemy? Our pride. Our greatest enemy is this person called self, our pride. 
Mark chapter 14, verse 29 to 31. But you can never assume. You can never assume that now I'm a Christian, I'll never be prideful. I mean, the devil will jump on you before you know it. And you would think that it's fine, you know, until you fall flat on your face and you realize, God, oh, thank you for rescuing me. And look at Mark chapter 14, verse 29 to 31. Peter said unto him, although all shall be offended, yet will I not. Jesus, I'll go all the way with you. I will never be offended. No, I will never betray you. No. Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto you, this is a word of knowledge, that this day, even in this night, before the cock, Two times crow, you shall deny me three times. Jesus did not say this out of spite. He did not say this out of condemnation. He said this to save Peter. He said this to expose to him his frailty. He said this to, to expose to him to the very fact that he needs God all the time. He's not as smart as he thinks. He's not as holy as he thinks. He's not as dedicated as he thinks. That's what Jesus said. The key is that only the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Ghost can reveal to us our human poverty and total fallibility. Let's look at Mark chapter 14, verse 71 to 72. Mark 14, 71 to 72. We must not give our children religion. We must give them the desire to depend on God. Did you hear me? Don't give your children a religion. Don't tell them you confess this three times and you'll be prosperous. No, you must give them the desire to depend on God. Though I fall, though I fall, I shall arise. And if you look at Mark chapter 14, verse 71 to 72, what happened to Peter? He began to curse and to swear saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. I don't know this Jesus. And the second time the cock crew, and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, before the cock crowed twice, you shall three times deny me. And then what happened? When he thought thereon, he wept. Only the Holy Spirit can show us who we are. Only the Holy Spirit can show us how desperate we are to depend on God. Only the Holy Spirit can show us this desperate, total poverty without God. Amen. Only with that will we ask for help and develop an utter dependence on and love for God. Remember in the book of Job, what did he say? He said, I thought I knew you. I thought I knew you. I thought I knew you. I thought that I was holy. I thought that I was walking in the anointing. I thought that I was doing well until this whole thing, you know, failed. And my wife told me to curse God and die. But I didn't do that. And then the Holy Spirit came and spoke to him. And with the word comes the light. He said, I thought that I knew him. But now I see you. I experience you for myself. I abhor myself. I abhor my flesh, this self. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Jesus who is living in me. Peter said, depart from me, this sinner. Job said, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. This is so, so powerful. That's when holiness truly comes in. If you look at Paul, look at Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Romans 7, 18. 
We need to understand the reason for the power that is behind Paul, the reason for the power that's behind Peter, the reason for the consecration that's behind all these apostles who die for Jesus. Romans chapter 7, verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. We must know. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find out. In and of myself, I can't do miracles. In and of myself, I can't be holy. In and of myself, I don't have any unconditional love. I must, I must tap into God's provision. I must tap into God. I must receive from Him. He is the vine. I am His branch. Without the vine, I'll just die. This is so, so important. Holiness is the best place to be. Listen to me, church. It is not condemnation, nor is it a burden. Don't get upset if the Lord shows you that you're not holy. Don't get upset if the Lord shows you that you haven't done your best, that you can do better. Don't argue with him. Can we say amen? Don't defend our sin. Don't defend our compromise. Don't defend our offense. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Holiness is your reality as a born-again child of God, as a spirit-filled believer. It is a precious gift from God by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that you need to be aware of, that you need to activate. Sometimes we can be so dumb, or you can say so stubborn. You know that it's not good. And you have observed a pattern. Now, we understand that God works by pattern. That's why you have prophecies. Devils also work by patterns. So it's important that you observe what's the pattern of your life. How come the devil has attacked me again and again in this area? I must have opened the door for him to attack me. The Holy Spirit will talk to you. So don't get offended. If he's sending somebody to talk to you, don't get offended. Don't get upset. Can we say amen? It is good to be corrected. How many of you would say so? How many of you would agree that it's good to be corrected? Lift up your hands. It is good to be corrected. Amen. Correction means sanctification. Correction means sanctification. Correction means sanctification. Now, I'm being very honest with and open with you. Before I got born again, I would watch movies, especially kung fu movies with my husband, all through the night and having snacks at the same time. <laughs> Chips and movies, you know. <laughs> and when I got born again, it's like the Lord took this all out of me. It was all gone. And I thank God for that. I want you to understand that Solomon did not sin when he was young in the Lord, building the temple. He sinned when he grew older. When you have been a Christian for some time, and you think you know it all, and you think you know all the scriptures, you have heard all the sermons, that's when the enemy would come. To attack you. So when I first got born again, I was okay. You know, the Lord took away all the desires, you know, to sin, you know, just to be carnal, just to be worldly. I did not like movies. I chucked and threw away all the DVDs, you know. And I got into fights with Sonny when he wasn't born again about watching movies. And he said, you are so holy, Dora. And I said, I don't know whether I'm holy or not. I just knew that it's not a good thing, you know. But with the YouTube going on now, with the internet, it is so easy. It's like in your face all the time. In your face. You know, the old Hong Kong movies, the whole Chinese movies, the English movies, you know, the romance. I was sorely tempted. 
And I said to myself, that's okay. You know, no swear words, no violence, just love stories. What's wrong with that? But on the inside of me, I knew better. I knew better. What's wrong? I subject myself to the movie to be manipulated. To be emotionally manipulated, sitting there like a zombie. Well, you said the Holy Ghost will deliver you. No, not this time. Why? Because I knew better. What's involved? Discipline. What's involved? Discipline. What did I do? Lay hand on myself. Slap myself. <laughs> In the name of Jesus, I bind you, devil. Get out. The lust of the eyes. Get out. The lust of the flesh. Go. I know who you are. You are the devil that tries to manipulate me, that tries to ruin my walk with God, that tries to ruin the ministry that God has called me to. Get out! Out! Get out! In the name of Jesus. And you, you mean business. You are serious with God. The devil knows where to set a trap for us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows where to tempt us. Holiness is a weapon. I remember when I first got born again, I love holiness. I enjoy holiness. I enjoy staying there. I get inspired by holiness. I move by holiness. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. It is a fight. The enemy wants to defile you, but you must guard your heart. Can we say amen? Guard your heart. Amen. It's not as innocent as you think. I mean, I search sermons everywhere, high and low. Sermons, sermons. I managed to find Charles Finney. He wrote an article. He wrote a sermon on, um, uh, what's it? He said, um, the sin of amusement or entertainment. His article, the sin of amusement or entertainment. I mean, how did I get into the movies? I mean, that had been away for me for so long. It's through a minister. He said to me, it's okay for you to relax. It's okay. That's fine. Watch this. It's good. This movie is good. The enemy knows how to get into our lives, little by little. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Pastor Dora say, don't watch any movies. <laughs> it's, it's your walk with God, okay? I'm not telling you what to do. It is your walk with God. You know where your weakness is. I know where my weakness is. My weakness is very silly, very foolish, just simple romance. I mean, maybe for you, when you watch a movie, it's about worldly issues you know <laughs> so I'm not telling you to do what God is telling me to do I'm saying that you need to hear God can we say amen now neither am I telling you that I've watched junk hips of movies no 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 I did not watch hips but my conscience was very sensitive my spirit was very very sensitive and I knew what the Holy Spirit was telling me so what am I telling you? There is a price to pay. It's called holiness. Holiness is a weapon against the devil. The devil or Lucifer, what is he called in the Bible? An unclean spirit, a fallen angel. One third of the angels fell with him from holiness to evil, from purity to filth. His weapon is uncleanness. To defile you, drugs hurt you, alcohol hurts you, fornication hurts us, masturbation hurts you. All those things, they seek to defile us, to manipulate you, so you lose self-control. You become a victim. You can be manipulated. So holiness is a weapon against the enemy. Can we say amen? Holiness is also a pursuit. It's a pursuit towards God. 
I mean, just a mere distraction. If you're watching YouTube all the time, listening to conspiracies all the time, I guarantee you, you can't hear the voice of God. You can be hearing a demon and you think that is God, but it's not God. Because you are hearing so many noises and you have problem discerning the voice, the Holy Spirit. You have to be like him to know his voice. Jesus said, my sheep knows my voice because his sheep have been following him. If you are too carried away by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pride of life, if you are so carried away by how I can succeed in my business, how to do better with my business, you know, all these things can be legitimate and nothing wrong with it. But because you are so carried away by it, you've become a victim. You've become a victim to the manipulation of the enemy. And that's why you miss his leading. That's why we miss his guidance. And you go the same place again and again, and the same thing happened again and again, and we didn't know. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We need to understand that God works by patterns, and the devil also works by patterns. And we have no excuse. You can't tell me that it's because he, he has tempted me to sin. It's she, she has tempted me to sin, like what Adam did. No. Why did you yield to that temptation? Can we say amen? Amen. We keep singing, greater is he who is in me. If he is greater than you, then you should be able to resist temptation. Can we say amen? When I talk about temptation, I'm not talking about sexual temptation only. I'm talking about the temptation of money. I'm talking about the temptation to please people. Anything that causes you to compromise your walk, it's a temptation. Holiness is a pursuit. It's a pursuit towards God. We have not arrived there. And we never will. We keep growing. We keep developing in the goodness and the holiness of God. It's the pursuit that keeps us growing, developing, and maturing. It's the pursuit, amen, that drives away devils. It's the pursuit, amen, that defeats demons who hate holiness. How many of you know why the world hates the church? Why the world hates us? Because we are their conviction. They come into conviction when they are with us. And they hate that conviction because they don't want the repentance. And that's why there's the shame, there's the guilt, there's the offense, there's the anger. Because the desire to change or the desire to be holy or the desire to be sanctified it's not there. We're just simply in their way, stopping them to do what they want to do. And that's why there is this anger. That's why there's the violence against the church. So we need to understand how the devil works to defeat him. So when you feel that you're angry because somebody has told you what is right. So if your wife has told you it's right to tithe and you get angry, Whose fault is that? Not your wife. It's you. Can we say amen? If your husband comes to you and says, don't watch that movie, and you get angry, whose fault is that? The wife's fault. Can we say amen? God will send people across your path in order to correct you and in order to protect you. And we should be grateful for that to happen to us. Amen. Amen. Holiness is God's desire for believers. Remember Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. Conviction is not condemnation. Don't turn conviction into condemnation. When you're into offense, that's condemnation. That's the devil. When you're into repentance, that's conviction from the Holy Spirit. And I have learned to quickly repent, to quickly yield to the conviction. I don't want to waste 30 years in the wilderness. I don't want to give the devil 30 years. No, 
I want to quickly repent and have a good life. Can we say amen? Quickly repent and serve God. Can we say amen? What's a big deal? We all sin. How many of you have never sinned and never will? Lift up your hands and we'll cast the devil out of you. <laughs> amen. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Okay? So sometimes we do walk after the flesh. K-F-C, you know. <laughs> but then you recognize that you're after the flesh, and quickly you say, no! <laughs> Amen? That's the life that we live. The Holy Spirit is holy. He does not condemn you, but He will convict you to deliver you from the devil's traps and snares. Holiness is God's desire for believers. Holiness is God's desire for believers. Let's look at First uh, Peter chapter 15, verse 16. First Peter chapter 1, verse, sorry, First Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Be ye holy, for I am holy. That's the last, the last line. Be you holy, for I am holy. How many of us have read Revelation, chapter, uh, not Revelation, the book of Genesis, chapter 1? Chapter 1, Genesis, chapter 1. Yes. Light be, and there was light. Let there be light, and there was light. So the same. Be ye holy. Be ye holy, be ye holy, for I am holy. So what do you do? You throw up your hands and say, yes, I'm holy. Just agree with him. Agree with him. Amen. Memorize these scriptures. Agree with him. When the enemy is, is tempting you to do evil, tempting you to defile yourself, you lift up your hands and say, I am holy, for my father is holy. When the devil is attacking you and saying that you are, you are stupid, you are no good, you can't do anything, you lift up your hands and say, my father can do all things, so I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Amen. Live out the life that God has given you. Live out the abilities that God has given you. That is our calling. That's all Christianity. That's what Christianity is about. I am what the Word of God says I am. I can do what the Word of God says I can do. The Word of God will make you what the Word of God says you are. The Word of God will cause you to do what the Word of God says you can do. Lift up your hands and believe it. Come on, lift up your hands and believe it. Believe it. Amen. That's how confidence comes to you. Amen. Holiness is transformation. Holiness is transformation. Amen? Every believer will go through transformation. Every believer will go through brokenness. I don't know how many times I've been broken. Time and time again and again. How many of you have been broken? Lift up your hands. God is not in your life if you have never been broken. It's brokenness that leads to sanctification, holiness. To be broken means you get the flesh part of you ripped out of you. You get the carnal side of you plucked out of you. And it's good to be broken. We have to be broken so that we can be made whole. God sees that that part of you is not good. It's like a tick. The devil is attaching to, your, to, you, to yourself like a tick that attaches itself to a dog. And God says, it's time to get rid of it. And you say, oh, it hurts, but it's good. Can we say amen? Amen. Remember what Mary had to do. She had to yield to the sword, right? She had to yield to the sword. She had to go through the pain of allowing her son to be sacrificed. Say to yourself, brokenness is good for me. Amen. Every child of God we must have the cross in our lives. We must have the cross. There is no such thing as a crossless Christianity. What does the cross mean to you? Cross means I'm crucified with Christ. 
I'm crucified with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Jesus who is living in me. I don't want my flesh to control me. I don't want my flesh to manipulate me. I don't want anybody's flesh to control me. I don't want anybody's flesh to manipulate me. My flesh is crucified. And because it's crucified, you have the resurrection power. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It's very, very important. Broken for revelation to break forth for the spirit to arise. It's better to be smart, to learn quick. Don't take so long to repent, to forgive. Don't take so long to follow God closely. Live a dependent life. Don't be stubborn. Don't hold on to your way, your will, your way of doing things, your righteousness. Be broken again and again and again. If you hold on to your own ideas, if you hold on to your way of thinking right, you will go around that mountain another time. You will go around that mountain. They died in the wilderness, walking in the wilderness for 40 years and never learned their lesson and died. If you don't change, if you don't make up your mind to change, Yes, there's the spirit of repentance, but there is also your free will. If you don't make up your mind, your free will to change, you can keep the same habit till you're 80, 90. Nothing will change. The only person who can change you is yourself. That's why the Bible says that stubbornness is like witchcraft. And the worst thing is that you look so good in front of everybody, but you know, and you know, and you know what's happening behind closed doors. So lift up your hands and say no. Say no to that spirit of secrecy that tries to destroy you. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, I want holiness. I desire holiness. Amen. 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 Holiness is our transformation. Amen. So important. Let's look at 1 John 5, 18. 1 John 5, 18. Now, I've heard a lot of debates about this scripture, 1 John 5, 18. And I've heard preachings on this scripture. Okay, 1 John 5, 18. 1 John 5, 18. We know that Whosoever is born of God sins not. 1 John 5, 18. Well, you question, are you sure? I've seen Christians sin. I've seen pastors committing fornication. I've seen famous celebrity, you know, Christian celebrity sin. So what do you mean the scripture that says 1 John 1 John 5, 18. What does it mean? Whosoever is born of God sins not. Is this scripture not true? But he that is begotten of God, you have to continue to read. But he that is begotten of God keeps himself. And the wicked one touches him not. I am a Pentecostal. You are a Pentecostal. We all love God. We all believe in God. But it doesn't mean that we just fold our hands and let God do anything, everything. No. There is a Godward part. There is a manward part. Yes, God has given us a pure spirit. God has given us an eternal, born again, amen, a spirit that is without sin. But it is our part. It is our duty to keep ourselves. And when we do that, what's the promise? The wicked one touches him not. Can we say amen? Amen. So do we have our part to play? Do we have our part to play? Amen. Yes. Amen. For this is a promise. As soon as long as you keep yourself in God, the evil one cannot touch you. It is a promise. How good is that? The spirit of sickness and disease cannot touch you. The spirit of accidents cannot touch you. Amen. The spirit of poverty cannot touch you. No devils can bully you. Can we say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Remember Jesus two times. They were trying to throw him down the cliff. They couldn't touch him. They were trying to stone him to death. They couldn't touch him. 
There's divine protection. Amen. Especially in the end times. Now, we use this to pray against the rain. Isaiah 43, verse 2 to 3. Let's read this. Isaiah 43, verse 2 to 3. Divine protection belongs to those who live a holy life. I've had people asking me about the rapture. i just share a little bit with you. I believe that all that they say is correct. So there is the pre-trip rapture, there is the mid-trip rapture, and there's the post-trip rapture. You will have three raptures. For those who follow the Lord closely and walk closely with him, we will go the charts of flight, pre-trip rapture. For those who are still very carnal, for those who are still very worldly, they will go through the beginning of the tribulation. They will get raptured in the mid-trip rapture. That's after the three and a half years. And then you will have the Jews who would eventually recognize Jesus as the Messiah and they would be raptured. That's the post-trip rapture. So holiness is very, very important and it's very, very powerful. Okay? Isaiah 43 verse 2 to 3. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt, neither shall the flame kindles upon you. I'm sure Daniel read this. Amen. 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 He had an excellent spirit. What's the excellent spirit? It's the spirit of holiness. So am I to achieve that? No. We can't achieve that. We can't struggle to get it. We can't earn it. What do I do? Know it and yield to it. Let's look at Romans chapter 7. Is that okay? You give me more, a few more minutes. Romans chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. This is the Apostle Paul. He's very, very honest. Now, if you want to walk with God, you have to be brutally honest. The Apostle Paul said, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. The Lord gave me this scripture this morning. When I was waiting on him, evil is present with me. How many of us we wish, oh, can I just stop this? I don't have to struggle anymore. You can't because you are not in heaven yet. We're still surrounded by sin. We're still surrounded by sinful men. We're surrounded by sinful environments, sinful, sinful uh, circumstances. I find that a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Why is this written in our Bible so we know? Knowledge is so important. Why is it written in the Bible? So we know. And when you know that the enemy is hovering around you, that's seeking, you know, he's like a lion prowling around seeking whom he may devour, you can be alert and you can be wise. Can we say amen? So it's not me that dislike, you know, my enemy. It's not Oh, not my enemy. What should I say? It's not, for example, if we're having a fight, so you know that it's not me who am angry with my spouse. It's not me who am angry with my kids. It's not me who am angry with my, with my pastor. It's not me that I'm angry with this and with that. No, it's the devil that's driving me to be angry. Then you can do something about it. It's so important. Amen? It's the devil that's driving me to drink. It's the devil that's driving me to smoke. It's the devil that's driving me to masturbate. It's the devil that's driving me to do drugs. Then what do you do? You can get rid of that devil. He's not in you. He's not with you. He's outside of you. Get rid of him. It's the devil that's afflicting you with sickness and disease. Get rid of him. Don't believe that I have to be sick like any other person. You're not any other person. You are the child of God. Can we say amen? Amen. Don't say, he's so bad. I hate him. I hate him. No, no, no. Hatred is of the devil. Don't hate anybody. Get rid of that demon of hatred. Can we say amen? 
Hallelujah. Recognize that. Humble yourself, submit to God, and receive the power to overcome. Amen. And finally, holiness is the gateway to miracles. If you want miracles, you need to pursue holiness. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. How many of us know that Peter was definitely moving in power? Even his shadow would heal the sick. What's the difference between the Peter who betrayed Jesus and the Peter who is moving in power? He yielded to the Holy Spirit. How many of you remember that John, uh, no, John, Paul, confronted Peter? Because Peter was yielding to the fear of men. He wanted to be with his buddies, you know, the Jews, and, and uh, you know, stay away from the Gentiles. But Paul confronted him, and he listened to the confrontation and corrected himself. That's holiness. Holiness hates evil. Holiness loves corrections. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit had come into Peter, not to take over his life, but to open his eyes to see how to walk in holiness, how to synchronize with God. Amen. Amen. Every eye closed, every head bow. Father, we praise you and thank you. Praise you and thank you. Amen. Amen. Every one of us, we have a free will that you need to exercise and use. Use your will against the devil. Use your will against the tempter. And fortify your will with the will of the Father. Fortify your will with the word of God. Understand and realize the reality of demons. Yes, we can start distributing communion. This is the first Sunday of the month. We're doing communion. It is so, so important that we walk in the Lord. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Yield to the Spirit of holiness. Yield to the Spirit of holiness. Consecrate yourself. Obey God. Put Him first. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. There is no better life, there's no better life to live than a life that is filled with faith and full of the Holy Spirit. That's the best way to live. Don't live your Christian life like a mediocre Christian. Desire to be the best Christian you can ever be. Amen. And the goodness of the Lord, the blessings of God will come to you. Amen. 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 Can I ask you um, to stand with me? Can I ask the musicians to come? Let's worship the Lord before we take Holy Communion.